Whoever therefore eats the bread and drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and blood of the Lord. Let a person examine himself then, and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 27 and 28. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. Heavenly Father, please um, bless my preaching, my words, to be true and upbuilding to your people as we commemorate this sacred night. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So the first thing I would like to point out about this scripture is how profoundly connected the symbol of Holy Communion and the thing that it symbolizes truly are. Did you catch it at the beginning? If you drink communion wine or eat communion bread unworthily, it's not just some sort of like ceremonial foul in church. You're guilty of the body and the blood of our Lord, which is referring, of course, to him seated in heaven in his resurrected body, his transformed blood. If you eat and drink communion unworthily, you trespass against God himself. And note that communion, of course, it's still bread and wine. But when we pray over it as the people of God, using the ancient words which Jesus himself instituted, this formula that then the Spirit guided St. Paul to repeat in 1 Corinthians, repeating, this is my body, this is my blood. When we pray those words, and I know my lips are the ones saying them at the table, but we're all gathered here together as the people of God. We're worshiping together. Ordinary bread and wine becomes, as it were, a portal to heaven itself, a conduit, like the same way wire can connect electricity to, from one thing to another. The communion bread and the wine connect, brings down to us the body and the blood of the risen Jesus. That's the only way to make sense of how to be unworthy treatment of bread and wine is offensive to God. And actually, the strongest language of offense, this language of guilty concerning his body and blood, that's language that Jesus uses about his executioners. It's severe language. So obviously, this makes really meaningful the question, well, what is this unworthy manner that we need to avoid, right? What, and, and in the reverse, what is the worthy way of receiving Holy Communion. So let me begin by saying what it's not. And I think I grew up with this view of communion, and I'm glad that the Lord has displaced it. It is not the worthy way to sort of like really muster intense feelings inside yourself of, yes, yes, right now I'm really repentant, and okay, now I'm clean, and now I can receive communion. As if we need to somehow get ourselves straight with God apart from Christ to be able to come to Christ, which is, of course... The opposite of the gospel. It's Christ who makes us straight and clean to come to God the Father. No, in fact, um, in a gospel paradox, a sure way to come to communion unworthily is to think that you are worthy. That's the problem, right? That's the paradox of the gospel. And there's two species, two versions of, of thinking I'm worthy that um, I want to highlight. One is um, 
thinking that you're worthy just because by virtue of belonging to this church. Right? Well, I'm, I belong to this church, and so of course I'm, you know, I'm Anglican, you know, or I, I, communion is mine to have. The other way of mistakenly thinking oneself worthy is by looking to your own actions, even your own spiritual actions, and kind of giving yourself like the green check mark. Like, well, I, I've really been repentant of my sins. Well, you know, my serious sins were a long time ago. Or, you know, I've really kept Lent well. I, I'm really doing worthily to come to this table. These are sure ways to actually render yourself unworthy in coming to communion. The antidote to these unworthy thoughts, St. Paul gives us. He doesn't leave us one sentence before telling us the remedy. Examine yourselves. Examine yourselves. All we have to do is stop for a moment, even a half a second, and look back at sort of the trail which we've walked in this life up until this moment, and see countless sins and offenses against God and things that have hurt our neighbor. And we know we have all hope, all faith, every confidence that God has forgiven and will forgive those sins. But we just examine our own lives as we are of ourselves and we see behind us a trail of sins. We see that we are, in fact, not worthy to come to God's table. We are not worthy of ourselves to step into his royal banqueting hall. And then, if we, coming up to the present, if we examine ourselves in the present, the state that we're in, our, our mental habits, the state of our soul and our heart, the way in which the sins of our past, and this is true for everyone in this room, the way our sins of our past, every Christian, have left scars and warpings in our heart and our mind, that we still bear the sort of difficulties because of our past sins, that the Lord is slowly working out of us through the sanctification of his Holy Spirit. So we see that both in the past and in the present, the only honest assessment upon self-examination is, yeah, I'm not worthy to have communion. And so our relationship to God and communion, it's kind of this one-two dance, right? We need to recognize of ourselves, I'm not worthy. And if we just stopped there, none of us would ever receive communion. But the one-two is that God tells us, be brave. You actually are forgiven. You are united to Christ Jesus. So come, eat at the master's table. Feast on his own risen life. And be refreshed in the covenant of grace. So this one too is, no, no, I'm not worthy. Right. The inversion of the gospel paradox is that's the only way to come in a worthy manner. To say, yeah, no, I don't deserve to, to receive bread and wine. I don't receive, deserve to receive the body and the blood of Jesus. I don't deserve salvation. I haven't earned eternal life. I've, I've earned the opposite. But God in his grace bids me to come to him. Bids me to confess my sins as we're about to do in this liturgy, as we do every liturgy. And receive his forgiveness afresh. That is the way that we can come worthily to touch the body and the blood of Christ. Not only to touch, but to eat. I heard a preacher one time write um, that if someone said, like if we didn't have communion, like just a thought experiment for a second. If someone said, look, on April 10th, 2040, 
The power of God is going to come down in the sacred meal. And if you eat of it, you will be refreshed unto everlasting life. We'd be like clearing the schedule for years in advance. We build super highways to that place, right? We lose sight of what a gift it is because of the frequency, but don't let that be the case. This is as incredible every time we celebrate it, which is why as Christians, we keep celebrating it as the Lord told us to do. Do this in remembrance of me whereby his own covenanted means, bread and wine, we get to participate in the saving grace of Jesus Christ again. Not because we are worthy, because we are unworthy. While we are yet sinners, while we were yet sinners, Christ gave himself for us. Amen.